Welcome to Lady in the Couch, a podcast about mental health and well-being, relationships, and topics specifically related to women. I am your host, Autumn Collier, a licensed psychotherapist in Atlanta, Georgia. Let's have a seat on the couch. Welcome, everyone, and thank you so much for being here on the couch with us this week. Today's topic is, yeah, but... So today we are focusing on a particular thought distortion combo that typically go hand in hand. So first I want to share a quote from Seneca. He was a Roman Stoic philosopher, and it says that we suffer more often in imagination than in reality. That is very true. This is also a nice summation of thought distortions which we're going to talk about two different ones today. So some episodes ago, actually episode 16, we did an episode titled Stop Mind Reading. And we talked about mind reading as a thought distortion because it is. That is one of the thought distortions. There are about, depending on who you ask, maybe 13, 15, 18 thought distortions, just depending on how they're titled. So that is one of the mind reading. It is kind of that assuming that you know what people are thinking. Again, that's episode 16. If anyone wants to go back and catch up on mind reading as a thought distortion. So what is a thought distortion or also known as a cognitive distortion? Cognitive cognitions, those are thoughts. So thought distortion, cognitive distortion, those are used interchangeably. Cognitive distortions are irrational thoughts that can influence your emotions. And we all experience them to some degree, right? So we all do it. We all have thought distortions, but sometimes individuals may experience them more in more extreme forms, causing interference maybe in their day-to-day activities or tasks. So when we say thought distortion, we're not speaking about someone not being in touch with reality. We're talking about very common thoughts that we all have And that when these thoughts are in overdrive, they can maybe paralyze us or just be counterproductive. Again, going back to mind reading, a simple, very common thought distortion might be something like, oh my gosh, everyone's probably thinking, why is she here? Or, oh my gosh, everyone, you know, about yourself. Or, oh my gosh, everyone's probably thinking, I don't know what I'm talking about when I'm giving this presentation. Or they're thinking that I'm not intelligent. You know, things like that. Just you trying to read the mind of others. Things like that. People do it all the time. And again, there are so many categories of thought distortion. So for today, yeah, but today's episode, we are talking about magnification and minimization. So magnification, which is exaggerating the importance of events, and minimization is minimizing the importance of desirable qualities or minimizing what is positive or what went well. And again, these are things that we've all done and we all do. So an example could be maybe we've just given a beautiful speech or presentation, but let's say we flubbed over our words once or twice throughout the whole presentation. Maybe we only we flubbed only once or twice. And as when we're done with the presentation or performance, we reflect back on it, we deem it trash, right? Because we flubbed once or twice. So we say, oh man, it was trash or it was trash. And everyone else thinks it's trash too. A little bit of mind reading now happening. And at least this is what we tell ourselves. Where in reality, the presentation or speech is being applauded. People are literally telling you how great it was. Truth is 99% of the speech was flawless. 
but we focus on that 1% that did not go as desired, right? So we magnify, we magnify that 1% and make it look so big when in fact 99% went well. So we magnify the 1% that we feel was flawed and then we minimize or even overlook the 99% that went well. So magnification and minimization, they really go hand in hand. And it's really just looking at a situation from one side or the other, looking at it as, oh, we're overlooking or minimizing this, or we are magnifying or exaggerating, emphasizing that. So depending on how you look at it, um, but they do go hand in hand. So that is minimization and magnification. That is what it is. And this type of thinking, this type of thought distortions It really sucks because you can't celebrate what is good and going well for you or your achievements because they are minimized and we're only focusing or magnifying the flaws. And, you know, because we are humans, we are flawed individuals and we are not perfect. So there will always be something that we can magnify. Some people say, well, I want to identify what didn't work out or identify the flaws so that I can improve you know, identify areas where I can improve. Yeah, but doing it this way is not effective. So don't justify the use of this thought distortion as a self-help or self-improvement mechanism because it's not, and it's not effective as being one. So somehow, you know, we've made ourselves believe that we have to be overly critical of ourselves to reach perfection, which isn't a thing. And so we focus on imperfections because if we focus hard enough on the imperfections, then we can fix them or erase them and become perfect. You know, that type of thinking, which is flawed within itself. So then here comes the, yeah, but kind of dialogue mentality because we are so overly critical of ourselves. So some examples of the, yeah, but mentality or thinking could be, oh man, that performance was excellent. And your reply is, "Uh, yeah, but did you hear me kind of stumble or stutter a little bit? Or another one, "Um, oh, great job on your test. Yeah, but I didn't get the highest score. So what we did with the first one about the performance and they're like, yeah, but did you hear me stumble over my words? Again, that's magnification or great job on your test. Yeah, but I didn't get the highest score. Um, We're also minimizing that we did well on the test. Another one, you know, you really killed that piano recital. Yeah, but I was really nervous and my voice cracked and I introduced myself. Okay, so now we are minimizing and magnifying. We're, we're magnifying something that you feel didn't go well or that you feel might be flawed. We're magnifying that and we're minimizing how well the actual piano recital went. So, you know, this is one of those things that, yeah, but, I mean, we could play this game all day, literally. We could, yeah, but anything. So it's not really a game you want to sign up to play. It's not fun. There is no reward at the end. No one wins. And it's like monopoly. It, it never ends. You will literally play it all day. So we don't want to sign up to play the yeah, but game. There's always a yeah, but. And with these examples I gave, you can see both magnification and minimization happening at the same time. Some of you might be familiar with cognitive behavioral therapy. That is a treatment modality used. Ultimately, it says that our thoughts influence the way we feel and behave. And it's tried and true. CBT has been around, you know, for a very long time. 
most other treatment modalities that exist today are derivatives or have been heavily influenced by CBT. So with CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, there is some influence from the Greek philosophy regarding Stoicism. So the Merriam-Webster definition of Stoic is a person who accepts what happens without complaining or showing emotion. So mm, that's not really what we want to convey here or even aim to become. No, we don't really want to be that. That person is probably just very flat, maybe even boring, and you can't get a good read of them. So we're not really trying to be that. The piece of Stoicism that we really want to shine through, especially you know if you're a clinician using CBT or if you're engaged as an individual in CBT treatment, is the part about using reason, being rational, and seeking or being guided by wisdom. Those are the parts of Stoicism that we want to really highlight and hold on to. The rest of it can't speak to that, but I do want to hone in on these parts. I'm often referencing something as rational or irrational during sessions. And I do that on purpose. Sometimes it can sound harsh initially, and I explain it through a therapeutic lens. But the word irrational and rational, it really hits different. It resonates with people when you call something that either they're thinking or doing irrational. So when you deem something irrational, it kind of produces that big eye reaction. Like your eyes get big, like what? Like where you kind of pause, cock your head a little bit to the side and your eyes get a little big. That when you call something irrational, that's sometimes the reaction you get. And something within us awakens when we start to use the word irrational. Maybe it's the fear of being called irrational. I don't know. But using that term or those terms, rational and irrational, it works. And it awakens us and we can start to see things sometimes for what they are. Something about those words. So I like to use them because they work and we can have better insight about our behaviors and our thoughts. So the person who thought, you know, the example earlier, their presentation was trash. If I were to repeat back to them, like the facts, it would be something along the lines of the mistake was minor and barely noticeable. You've gotten nothing but positive feedback. There is no evidence to support that your presentation was trash. So it is irrational to think so. Hearing it back like that can put it into perspective. And then usually as you talk more about it, you're usually just left with, well, well, I feel like it was trash. Okay, (laughs) sure, that's fair. But the part of the stoicism, even with CBT, is that we want to rely on evidence. We've all heard the mantra of the popular saying, feelings ain't facts, and that is true. They're not. So we want to rely on evidence. Don't believe everything you feel and don't believe everything you think. Sometimes we need to seek reason and facts. And a few steps to help stay in the rational lane. We're going to talk about those. We have three of them. Three really quick steps. Nothing earth shattering. However, it's more so a change in perspective, a change in how we see things. So the first one, to help us stay in the rational lane so that we can, if we get out of that lane and end up in the magnifying or minimizing lane, we want to be able to come back to the rational lane. Come back to the rational lane without causing an accident, without harming ourselves or anyone else, just kind of easing on back in there without having to make a big scene of judgment about ourselves. Just come on back into the rational lane. So the first thing we want to do is take inventory of our thoughts. Are we magnifying insignificant flaws and hiccups and minimizing achievements? Is that happening? Just take note, no judgment needed. 
just become more aware of your thoughts. And if you are doing this, now that you know this is a thing, now that you know magnification and minimization does exist, take inventory. Oh, am I doing this? Am I doing this? Again, now that you know it does exist, and also now that you know it doesn't have to be this way, right? You may realize after taking inventory that, oh, this isn't really a thing for me. They are few and far between these thoughts of minimizing or these thought distortions of magnifying and minimizing. So yeah, not really a thing. Wonderful. You know, maybe you are that person that is just full of grace towards yourself and full of reason. That is beautiful. Keep shining that light so that others can see. And maybe you might notice that you are excessively magnifying and minimizing, and it is sending you down a rabbit hole of unpleasant thoughts, right? All right, so then it's time to do something. So let's do something different. So step one is take inventory of your thoughts. If you find that it's time to do something different, then let's go to step two. So step two, this is a wonderful opportunity to practice replacing, yeah, but with, yeah, and. And again, here how I said is usually that, yeah, but, you know, I didn't, with, yeah, and I dot, 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 dot. So there's a change in perspective here. And I've shared this before, swapping one three-letter word for the other, swapping out but for and, and how this can be habit changing and perspective changing just by simply doing this. Because but, the word but negates everything that comes before it, where the word and joins. And again, you know, we talk about duality. So we want to replace yeah, but with yeah, and. So when you find yourself magnifying the fact that you maybe stumbled over your words, you can say, yeah, and that was only 1% of the presentation. So that really puts it in perspective there. Or if you're minimizing doing well on an exam because you did not get the highest score. So maybe your thought is, I didn't get the highest score. Well, you follow that immediately with, yeah, and I did very well, and I am proud of my score independent of others. So replacing that, yeah, but with yeah, and. That step there is somewhat of a bridge to help us, to help us improve by decreasing how much we are magnifying and minimizing. It's a nice bridge, a nice intermediate step. And then somewhere down the line, once you are very aware of your thoughts, very aware of thought distortions, how quickly they're popping up, then you can even start to dissolve or resolve those thought distortions quickly. And step two may or may not even be needed because sometimes we can just jump straight to step three. And that is using reason and wisdom. We want to be rational. Look for evidence. Whatever it is you have concluded, look for evidence. We're not looking for feeling. We want to look for facts. So look for evidence. So the same example we've been using about the presentation being trash. There's no evidence of the presentation being trash or whatever you conclude about yourself. Maybe you concluded, I'm not smart. I'm unqualified. Do we have evidence of not being smart? Do we have evidence of not being qualified? I mean, hardcore, tangible evidence. And again, evidence is something that you experience with one of your five senses. If you can't experience evidence with your five senses, it's not evidence. It's a feeling. So meaning if you didn't see it, if you can't touch it, if you didn't hear it, if you didn't taste it, if you didn't smell it, then it's not evidence. It's more so just a feeling, which we're not going for. We want evidence. So if there is no evidence of whatever you've concluded, 
then we will call the thought irrational. And we would just have to lay it to rest. Kind of like court adjourned. There is no evidence. Court adjourned. We're going to lay it to rest. All right. So of course, as with most things, I know this sounds easier said than done. And again, we all do this. We all do this. So I really want to normalize these thought distortions. We all do them. It's just a matter of to what extent we do them. Everything is really on a spectrum. There's the end where, you know, things rarely happen or the low end. And then there's the end where things, you know, happen frequently or more severe. So everything is on a spectrum. So it's just a matter of where the use of these thought distortions falls for you on the spectrum and how problematic it is for you. If you are unable to redirect yourself from these distorted thoughts and need assistance, seek a licensed therapist. And for some of you, now that you know this is a thing, having the magnifying and minimizing, and that it is also a very common thing, many of you might feel relieved to know that you are not the only one. It's funny, most folks do feel relieved when I talk about thought distortions with them and give them the handout of the thought distortions. Many folks feel relieved like, oh my gosh, yes, this and this and this, and they understand it. I mean, I tell people that these thought distortions are so common and so frequent and having them is so normal that a team of clinicians, scientists, researchers, psychologists got together and labeled them so that when people read these, They're like, oh yeah, that and that and that. Yep, I know that one. I do that one. They're so common and so relatable because we all do them. So I really just want to normalize that for folks. And when people find out that these things are common, sometimes they're relieved because they're like, oh, I thought it was just me. So so know that these things are so common that folks got together and labeled them. And when you see it, you understand it because it is just so common. Again, it's just a matter of where these thought distortions fall for you on the spectrum or continuum of frequency or how troubling they are for you, right? So a quick recap of those three quick steps to take. And again, if you find you have trouble doing it on your own, seek professional help. But step one, take inventory regarding your thoughts. Two, replace yeah, but with yeah, and. And three, use reason and look for evidence. We all have an inner wise self. So really tap into that, that person, that individual within you, that wise self, tap into them and really seek guidance from them. The more you seek from your inner wise self and try to hear your inner wise self, the more they will show up and it won't be as hard to pull from them when you need wisdom. All right. So I hope you guys found this useful. Thank y'all so much for tuning in this week and joining me on the couch and I'll see y'all next week. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Lady on the Couch. Feel free to share this episode with your friends on all of your social media platforms. If you are in the Atlanta area and seeking therapy, visit ladyinthecouch.com to learn more. Like what you heard? Feel free to give us a five-star review where you listen to podcasts. The content in this episode is not intended to diagnose or treat. It is for informational purposes only. 